Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out with me. I will be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that are often bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So, sit back and relax, or, you know what? Sit up and freak out. However, you prefer to listen. Let's go. Greetings from the Salton Sea in California, the site of a failed experiment, a mistake, an accident, uh, some very salty tilapia, and me on the back end of a tiny nervous breakdown that I have managed to swerve thanks to the professor. Thank you, professor. Now's when you say something, sir. (sighs) Oh, God. How am I ever even doing a podcast with you you never will be able to do it. <laughs> never no you chance. always jump in with like pithy awesome shit yeah. randomly and then like when it's time to actually do it you're like cricket 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 no <sighs> so it's not my job sir my it job is your is job to come to surprise you but then you say button on and not be a genius nobody works <laughs> i work see i'm doing it right now i just literally was like crying my fucking balls off four minutes ago and now i'm doing this podcast oh well you drove a lot this day and it's a really a stress to drive it is a stress to drive it's the thing it's but it was so funny when we decided to go with an rv i had the dream it's like let's see like a like a hermit camp I have my house always with me and I'm driving, but the hermit cab is forced to carry the house itself, but I don't need it. I just have the machine. But the reality is completely different. Either, either we have a car, which is much too big and much too wide, like a huge truck, <laughs> or we have a house, which is much too small. <laughs> and, and, and if you want to change from truck mode to house mode or back, you have to do, do a lot of work. You have to be a plumber and also insulation. You have to make the house, uh, the sides, what is it about the side sliders? Leveling. The side leveling. Yeah. And you have to make everything safe because uh, if you just drive normally, and there would be, let's say, just a, a cup of, a cup on the table. This cup would not remain on the table. It becomes a projectile. Become a projectile. <laughs> and, yeah. So this is our second RV trip. We took a a, a shorter RV trip. Uh, when was that? Like 2015, maybe. Uh, 2015. 2015. Um, Spousemeister and I, and we did the Finger Lakes, and as well um, Niagara Falls, I think, and it was amazing. Drove down to Maine. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. Yes, I had all my life the dream of this RV driving. Me too. Until I did. 
<laughs> Senna said to Molina, no, thank you, we have done it. We never do it again. And this, and, uh, but this new year time, this, this winter, I just wanted nature. And we were too late and we decided and all the beautiful houses in Airbnb and VRBO are gone. It's not even a matter of too late, sir. It's a matter of so many people, instead of doing the vacations that they would quote unquote normally do, are just finding a house to go and hunker down that's not their own house. Can so the I market mean? is also a problem. Yeah, but we had no problem to find a nice house for the second half of January. Yeah, on the Northern California coast where California people aren't going to go. Anyway, the point is that uh, we did relinquish our no RV stance and take another RV trip. This time we got a, a, a slightly bigger RV than we did the last time. The last time we had the uh, pretty stumpy, like a 20 foot, 20, 24 foot maybe. Anyway, now we have a 28 foot, so it's a lot bigger. It's still on a truck bed sort of situation. Um, and the first thing I want to say about RVs is that the idea that this is uh, an inexpensive way to have a vacation is absolutely false. Because if you are renting an RV, it is like not cheap. It's it's anywhere from uh, one to $200 a day, depending on the size of the RV that you are renting. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you need to put it somewhere, right? And um, yeah, we made our different decisions yeah, yeah. and we found the more we pay, the worse it is. Which is so funny, isn't it? Funny, yes. We, we assumed that we were going to be, you know, like, oh, like, oh, we splurged to go to this like really fancy RV park. And it turned out to be so boring and so small and so not awesome. But it was a structural mistake because it, will be, <laughs> it was a time around New Year's Eve. And it was Malibu. And if you go to Malibu on New Year's Eve, you will find there are people who love to go to Malibu on New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> but that one wasn't as expensive as the one in... Um, ah, this one, yeah. In, uh, 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 where were we? By the... Uh, Monterey. Monterey yeah. In Monterey. Yeah. That was the one that was an incredible ripoff. Yes, it was. It's terrible. Uh, the Malibu one, for all purposes, even though it was New Year's, even though it was a little bit nuts, the, the RV park we were in, which was Malibu Beach RV Park, I think it's the only RV park in Malibu, they were smart and threw their own party. So they had a tent set up, had their own DJ who was awesome because Gen X DJ, yes, thank you. And then at like 1, 1 a.m., boom, lights off, everything's done, go to fucking bed. <laughs> and and said it very, very pedagogical. <laughs> so, uh, normally at 10 p.m. it has to be quiet. Right. And it, it did not say you maybe make noise, you may be noisy until 1 a.m. and then you have to be quiet. So that's why, because it's New Year's Eve, you are allowed to make noise until 1 a.m. <laughs> it really worked. 1 a.m. it was quiet. It was. Silence. It was. It was pretty cool. So that was that was a pretty good adventure. I will say the. The, the first recommendation that I'm going to give, and I know that you will agree, sir, is if you are doing an RV trip, join the National Park Service website. Yep. Um, get yourself an ID on there. Get yourself a National Park Pass uh, because some parks you have to pay an entry fee as well as an RV park fee. 
but uh, in many you don't. And the thing is that every state has national parks and every state with a national park is going to be in this system. And so you can log into this system and book RV spots and book camping spots. If you're one of those weirdos who likes to sleep in a fucking tent, knock yourself out because you can rent those spaces as well at any park in the U.S. And the places are amazing. Yeah. The places are incredible. Yeah. And the cool thing is that the folks who are coming to natural parks are basically, uh, well, they're certainly by and large sportier than I am. I mean, the spouse Meister's a hiker and walker, so he's pretty sporty. <laughs> you are. No, I'm not sporty. You are sporty. I'm you're the sportiest. Sporty. Um, you're like you're like a little mountain goat. I'm fat and lazy. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe a fat and lazy mountain goat, but then... <laughs> He's the hottest, fattest, laziest mountain goat ever. So this is his gig. I mean, he just wants to like, literally when we stop somewhere, I have to like get him to help me real fast because otherwise he's like, all right, I I need to go explore. He's like off running around looking at shit, which is, you know, peak spouse meister. He's got to explore and check shit out because that's what he's about. So, um, so that's the first thing. Check out the national parks because the folks who are going to national parks tend to be of the mountain goat variety, right? They've got their bikes on the back of their RV. They're out doing shit during the day. So if you're more like us, where we're sort of lolling about the RV, you know, sitting outside on a bench or just chilling inside with the windows open, taking occasional walks, then it's going to be what we have seen so far. It's a more relaxed environment and sort of like a, a, a quieter group of people than the uh, inveterate road hog RV people that you find in the KOAs, for example, KOA standing for campgrounds of America spelled with a K because why not? God forbid you should actually just call it COA, which is what it should be. But the COAs also are everywhere. What they are very good for is if you need to uh, stock up on stuff and get your propane topped off and, and everything else. Some of them are nicer than others. It's a, it's a chain brand, so they're pretty standardized. You have just just to look. So we are, we found two places: one in Manchester, California, and one in Santa Margarita. And mm. these were for me one of the most beautiful nature experiences of my whole life. Yeah. In Manchester, I had to walk for about one mile through a natural park until I came to a beach, a huge sandy beach, and nobody was here. It was just just the gulls, the bird, and I, and it was all. And, and the other one is Santa Margarita, this lake. It was so beautiful. Mm, yes, that was really nice. That was really pretty. If you're someone who is curious about kink and BDSM but has no doggone idea where to start, I got you. First off, I'm the co-author of a book called Playing Well with Others, The Guide to Exploring, Navigating, and Discovering the Kink, Leather, and BDSM Relationships. You can find that on Amazon and I'll put a link in the description, but let's say you want a more personal one-on-one interaction. I got you, fam. Go to thekinkdoula.com. It's T-H-E. K-I-N-K-D-O-U-L-A. You may be familiar with the concept of doulas from childbirth, but what about rebirthing yourself? What about going deep within and uncovering the secrets and wondrous discoveries that maybe, just maybe, have been hiding from you or you've been hiding from yourself for a long time? You want to talk about your secret fetish, your kink? 
perhaps just you're curious about how to expand your mind a little bit more into becoming the person you truly want to be, contact me at thekinkdoula.com and let's see who you can become. So yeah, the, the main thing to do if you're doing an RV trip is to figure out how your lifestyle is. Like, do you want to get up and do a lot of things? Also planning an RV trip, don't overestimate how much driving you want to do because it's a whole day process. You got to pack up all your shit. Here's the thing. It's weird. You don't have to pack up all your shit, but you do have to sort of retract your umbilicals and, and, and secure everything and then move and then reattach the umbilicals and de stash stuff, you know, and then go. And in our case, for example, we have two pop-outs and these are these bits that slide in and out of, of RVs. You've probably seen an RV and then you're like, oh, an RV, it's a box. And then you see a box with little smaller boxes kind of sticking out the side. Those roll back and forth so that you have more space when you when you stop. And those are really instrumental in not feeling as though you're jammed into a cracker box. <laughs> yeah. That's It's emotionally a huge difference yeah. between this RV and the last one, where I really had the feeling I'm in a, I feel like a sardine in a can. Yeah. So that part's been really good. So next recommendation, get an RV with the pop-outs. It doesn't add anything to your width when you're driving. And it means that when you are stopped, that you have more, more space. A uh, third rec I'm going to give is whatever it takes make sure that either the RV you rent uh, has leveling machinery or that they give you uh, adequate and substantial leveling blocks because everything looks like it's flat till you have to cook. <laughs> and you realize that, like all the olive oils on one side of your pan, you're like, what the fuck? What the fucking hell? And you're like, oh, because it's landed just enough. I developed the technique. You did? Yes, I rotated. (laughs) It's still a pain in the ass. It's such a pain in the ass. Trying to make a pan of fucking like meat is just like rotate, rotate. I remember that. It was crazy. You know, you just take like a piece of tin foil and like wedge it under one side, et cetera. Uh, My main thing is having to deal with the poop hose. I'm not a fan of having to attach and detach the poop hose. And because someone expressed so much frustration with it, the poop hose job got to be mine. This is what happens when you're in a DS relationship, right? Like you get to deal with the shit literally, literally and detach and attach the poop hose to both sides. You're welcome, sir. Thank you, darling. It's okay. <laughs> He does provide the emotional support, though. So this is important. I also want to thank you for the emotional support this evening, pre this podcast, because I had yet another existential <laughs> crisis. The first existential crisis I had is when we were, um, we are right now at this location. It is a state park. It's by the Salton Sea, which is a freaky, freakish freak of nature. It is not actually a sea. It was a lake at some point, I guess, in the ancient times, it was you know, ancient, as a very ancient time, but normal as a original, it was just a desert, like, yeah, like this valley, right? Example. And then there was a lake, there was a national, a natural lake, yeah, but this, this lake was an accident, no, but there was a lake before the accidental lake, it's a lake before, yeah, 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 okay. there was a, an old lake back in the day, not ancient, ancient, but like 
kind of ancient. Then that dried up. Then there was a, a, a an accident with some water routing during the Great Water Wars of when Northern California uh, was robbed by Southern California. It's a bunch of, you can read the history on it. It's pretty terrible. The water was diverted. I don't know if this was part of that whole huge accident where all those people died because the dam broke. Was this the same thing? No, I don't think so. I have no idea. Anyway. California water history is its own fucking thing. There are entire books about it. So knock yourself out if you give a fuck. But the water was misrouted. It wound up pooling and making this entire fucking huge lake, which they then called the Salton Sea, which has since then, since the repair of whatever was feeding it, been slowly evaporating and killing everything in it, aside from some stubborn ass tilapia that people to this day fish and eat, which I don't I don't know if I eat a tilapia from here. Very special. <laughs> Once a fish has a designation that it's something you shouldn't eat more than maybe two times a month, I'm thinking maybe I can just avoid it entirely. Probably. Why not him? Well, you would eat it? Uh, it depends on the taste. But I think it's, <sighs> the fact, maybe we do not, you do not need to salt it because oh, about God. four times more salt is in the... Lord have mercy. So, okay. So, yeah. so, so they get, they said you said you can get your anchovies directly. <laughs> Just fishing for anchovies. They're already salted. So, yeah. Well, the reason I had this existential crisis is that when you walk up to the beach, you see what looks like white pebbles or like, like, uh, large grains of white sand or maybe uh, tiny gravel. But then when you crunch on it, it crunches sort of like a like volcanic rock. It reminded me a bit of a volcanic sand beach that I'd been on in Maui. But then when you look at it really closely, you realize it is not sand. It is, in fact, bones. It is fish and barnacle bones. I cannot stress to you how freaky this is because it is a beach, like a beach, like hundreds of yards wide that goes around this entire lake. That's all bones. And so I'm just, you know, walking across the corpses of millennia, like tripping my balls off, like, oh my God, you know, all we are is dust in the wind, as Ted or Bill said, I can't remember who said it. Not corpses of millennia. Yeah. Corpses of maybe 15 years. Okay, whatever. God, why are you? It's even worse. I feel like you're ruining my I ruining, podcast. I'm ruining everything. <laughs> no, you're not. You're making it even more awesome than it could possibly have been. What other tips would you give for folks living in an RV? Or would you, yeah. or would you suggest uh, just, uh, For me, the most important thing mm-hmm. is to plan the trip in a way that you don't need to drive from that. Uh, you, use, uh, if you remember our first drive, Mm-hmm. When we went to Niagara Falls, yeah. we had to use the cab driving from the from the camping place. Or mm. at the end, we went to this really beautiful national park, Acacia, and it didn't help us in any way because we should speak, we should have, we, 
Um, we just stayed on this camping place in this very beautiful beach, but we did not see anything of the park because the streets are too narrow and we did not want to drive for hours, right, right. For hours through these things. Yeah. And, and uh, the place here, for example, Salton Sea is a place where you can walk around, there are hikes, the place in the... It was, it was, ah, Anza Borrego, it was Anza Borrego Park, where it just have a beautiful hikes around. And not only hikes, it's just a huge plain and we could walk through the desert, Molina and I, and it was so beautiful. That's why I love deserts, because you can just go. Forests, forests try to kill you. I mean, a desert will try to kill you too, but it's more direct. It's like, I will try to kill you with like dehydration and sun, boom. Whereas a forest is like plus what and thorns. and thorns. That's true. The thorns will come and get you. I had a thorn in my pants the other day. I don't even know. Not even a thorn. It was one of those like those desert leaping death spike balls, like a, like a mace in, in your pants. I was not sure how I got in my pants. Goodness only knows. Anyway, the point is find out when you are, are picking a park or an RV park or, or, or a national park or a place to stay, what you're going to want to do when you get there. Because if you're not towing another vehicle or if you don't have bicycles with you, you're sort of there where you are, right? It's very difficult generally to get from place to place within a park once you're in the park. So you, you kind of commit once you're there, once you're, once you're parked to being there. Um, otherwise you've got to undo the water, undo the poop tube, undo the electricity, roll everything up, you know, pop in the sides, secure all your shit, and then drive down the road to see this other scenic point. It's a pain in the ass. Uh, for me, this is the perfect way of driving because I can work here. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe the, what I would really suggest, if you are able to do something in, your, in a place which you love, it may even be just if you plan to read uh, Marcel Proust for... Oh my God, why? <laughs> for, why? Uh, if you plan weeks. to take your life. Yeah. <laughs> à la, à la, à la recherche du temps perdu. If you want to, oh, if you want to read this during three weeks, RV trip is perfect. And um, But if you really want to see a lot of different things, I think... Yes, if you have a bicycle or you know. Yeah, it depends on, yeah, but you have to invest in a way to move around yeah. that is not attached to the RV if you are like a really sporty person, because you are certainly going to get real tired of having to pack up the RV. Plus, as, as uh, Spassmeister mentioned, it's kind of a drag to have to drive on some of these roads. You know, we were, we had a catastrophic uh, accident with the refrigerator and the top two shelves flying mm -hmm. open and dumping everything onto the floor, breaking a bunch of shit because of a pothole. And because this is a rental RV and they, the security of the doors was, uh, did not maintain their integrity in the way that they should. Mm -hmm. So you have to be aware of, of that kind of shit as well. And we also have changed our plans. Originally we had right. planned to drive the highway one. We did it the first day, or Marina did it. Yeah, we, I, me, I drove it. I know. It was a horror. Uh, but For those who don't know, California Highway 1 uh, runs uh, uh, along the coast, like the coast coast. I think it's one of the most beautiful streets in the world. It's also not a street you want to be on on a fucking 28-foot wide, you know, on a 28-foot long, 12-foot uh, uh, wide, or however the fuck wide this thing is, um, truck, 
when you are trying to navigate a two-lane highway, traffic in both lanes, which inevitably is going way faster than I'm comfortable with all the fucking time. Or people behind you, like sending you spiritual daggers because they're like, get out of my way, pull into the turnout. And I'm like, I can't, I can't pull into the turnout. The turnout is too small (laughs) for me to comfortably even pull over, you son of a bitch. Look at what I'm driving. So that was, that was, that was kind of nuts. For me as a maximalist, you know, I love having shit with me all the time. It overwhelms me sometimes. Like, I'll be so glad I have this stupid thing. I'm like, ah, yes, I'm so glad I bought that sewing kit, whatever. But then every once in a while, I get super overwhelmed because I do have a bit of a compulsive disorder (laughs) issues happening. And then I'm like, why the hell all this shit? I just want to burn everything and walk away like Angela Bassett. But I can't because it's all my shit. But it does feel good to have bits and pieces of you surrounding you as you move. I just, it, it comforts me. You know, I feel just sort of comforted the fact that I know that I can put on that one sweater that I need right now. And that I have those other shoes that I like. And for you, Spassmeister, you just, I mean, you have. I have a huge, I have two computers. I have a huge screen, which is big enough so that I can see my scores. I have a printer. I have a full office with me. Yeah. So we have to travel with an office. Uh, an office and a cafe, essentially, <coughs> because you have to have your espresso machine as well. So between us, between me having to have at least two hats minimum, uh, so therefore two hat boxes and all of our, my other little crappity bit things, it's it's a lot. And the cool thing about the uh, RV is that unlike if you're taking a regular road trip and you have to unpack the car and put it in the hotel room or into the Airbnb, you don't have to move it back and forth. It's in, you go it's still in. Right? So that part's pretty cool. It feels really nice, actually. It feels really nice to have your kitchen and bedroom right there with you all the time. Yeah. It's very, it's beautiful, but also don't do it do too long. I think we will do it yeah. now for one full month, which is just I think a month fine. is good for me. Just fine. But then we will be happy to have a more static or more yeah. more space and all these things. Yeah. And also, you know, of course, once you get into the RV, that means you are living alongside other RVs and then you then just start to get, you start to get that RV envy, right? It's like you see people with their little teardrop pod RV or their little, you know, uh, Airstream and you're like, oh, that's really cute. That's great. And then you pass by like the 49 foot Raptor with like, eight pop-outs and a porch. There are these fucking, there are these with an entire porch, y'all. Like the back end flips down yeah, and then boom, there's a porch. Sorry, darling, but wait, these huge things are not allowed to go to the national park. If you have Some the, national uh, parks. National parks, no, in, as I saw in general, for example, this which are we here now uh-huh. is 34 feet is the maximum. Okay. So, I mean, you can still get quite a bit of RV for 34 feet. So, yeah. um, And the last bit of, of recommendation I would give is make sure that you have spent time in close quarters with whomever uh, you are planning to travel with, because otherwise you may discover homicidal streaks that you had not encountered before. Because keep in mind, Everything is here. So the bathroom is there. If someone's like dumping a massive freaking stinky poop, it's right there next to the kitchen and the bedroom and everything else. If someone's in a bad mood, they're right there. There's really, I mean, it's not that there's nowhere to go, 
but the only other place to go is outside. <laughs> Which is nice here. <laughs> Which is nice here. And and the Spassmeister is always ready to go outside, so that's fine. That's fine for him. But um, I have to give you extra special props and thanks, Mr. Sir, because today was, for whatever reason, just kind of rough on me. I think, whatever reason, I'm a middle-aged woman going through fucking menopause, and I am the sole driver of the truck because the Spassmeister is nervous about driving this huge RV A, B in the States with, you know, just his German license. And so it's a thing. Um, and it's funny how just there's interesting small things that stress me out that maybe wouldn't have stressed me out under different circumstances, but it's kind of getting to me now. I think the travel is stressful. I, I hate to point out the obvious, but even though it's a vacation, it's still work and there's still things to keep track of. And it's a lot. And I, Unlike my usual sit down and just start rattling shit off, I must have stopped and started this podcast three times, had a nervous breakdown, flipped a thing of a container of yogurt onto the floor and just burst into tears and just lost my mind. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do anything. Nobody cares about this podcast. Who wants to listen to it? Why am I talking about my RV trip? What the fuck? And the Spassmeister, who was so lovely, he's well, the best owner. I, I think we also learned went and picked something. Up the... We learned something important. Yes, I learned sir. something important. Uh, how important it is to be doing a trip to, at home for some days. Hmm. In an RV, you never are really at home because the surrounding is always different. Yeah, you have says you see the same the same things just around you, uh, but at home is not only the carpets and the, and the dishes and the walls. Home is also what you see when you look out of the window, and this home is every day different, which is amazing. But also, if you are a middle-aged lady or a old-aged man, sometimes <laughs> sometimes a little bit stressful. Yeah. And it's, it's good. It's a good adventure. And I could not have chosen a more perfect adventure partner than you, Mr. Sir. Thank you, darling. So, so did I, because so I have the best adventure partner, partner ever. She's driving me. She's doing the sewage. <laughs> Everything is perfect. <laughs> and also, we have to explain something. It's important. Here in the desert, the stars. If you go out in the night and these days is a new moon and the stars, the sky is really dark in the night. When you see Orion, when you see the lion, when you see the Pleiad, it is so incredibly beautiful. Especially if you live like we in a big city, which there's a lot of light smoke, you mm. see, if you look at the sky, what you are missing. Because this is a, it's a spiritual connection which our ancestors had every day and we need to take an RV and drive to, mm -hmm. to, to, have to get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, note, if you Sorry, are a stargazing our, person. Said it wrong, wrongly. Our ancestors didn't have it every day, said it every night. <laughs> Thank you for your clarification. But uh, yes, there are many places that have uh, what are called dark skies designations. And if you look for those, those are places where you are far enough away from light pollution to get really gorgeous views of the skies at night, which is, you're right, something really magical to, to see. The first time I saw a truly dark sky was in Africa. 
my father took us to Morocco when I was six years old. And you can imagine a six-year-old New York kid seeing a sky in a desert and just understanding that it wasn't, I thought that the sky was covered with lint, with tiny little just fuzz, because I couldn't comprehend that those were each stars. And being in the desert gives you the opportunity to see the <laughs> the perpetual astral lint of the universe. <laughs> uh, and also what is for me very important when I watch the sky in the night, so they do it on several times. Mm. And then you see how the sky has turned. Right. And this feeling how slowly the universe is just moving, this different type of time. It's a type of time which we cannot perceive in the city because it's, everything is too fast. But these slow changes, mm. they're strong. Ah, you are romantic. <laughs> This is what you need, <laughs> And on that note, thank you, Professor. Thank you, Dad. I love you. You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb. Theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon. Mm-hmm.